With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch the baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottom and cans turn blue when your beer is cold and that way you know it's time to chill hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Hello, welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, and joining me on the show, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, and somebody that I'm not sure Vikings fans are going to jump right on board and follow your website very closely. Uh, Aaron, I can't, I can't imagine why. Cheesehead TV, Aaron Nagler. What is up, man? Hey, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. I, I got to admit, I, I'm a little trepidatious here, treading, treading some purple water, but uh, it, you seem like a fine fellow. And uh, I, I, I gather this is not an ambush, so I, I'm all in. It, it is not. I am not going to tell you why your 13-3 and three season was a fraud last year or anything like <laughs> well, that. Well, you know, Eric and George already <laughs> went about that, so it, it's all good. The PFF guys are certainly leading the charge on the fraudulent 13-3 and three season. They are. Maybe we can talk about that first, though, because uh, there's a difference between calling your season a fraud and saying that a lot of things broke your way. And, and we went, oh, went through this right. same way with 13-3 and three in 2017 with Case Keenum, where we said, look, you know, Aaron Rodgers got hurt that had nothing to do with the Vikings or anything. Uh, but, like, a lot of quarterbacks got hurt that year. The schedule fell your way. You got to go to London and play the Browns. Like, a lot of stuff <laughs> right. happened that helped you go 13-3 and three that was going to be tough to repeat. And I imagine there's at least the feeling of that or the, the potential dread of regression in Green Bay? Oh, no question about it. And I think anybody who has a modicum of sense, really, but you know, is, has an ability to step back and look at it as a totality, will tell you 
Look, A, number one, it's about health. I mean, the Packers were as healthy last year as they have been in probably over a decade. Uh, There's no question that that plays into it. Uh, And then there's no doubt that they were strong in two areas specifically that helped them. It was both in the red zone on both sides of the ball and then creating turnovers. Now, the red zone stuff, I, I expect that to continue. I think they'll still be really good at punching it in when they're on offense, and I think they'll be really good at keeping people out of the end zone on defense. Where I do think there's going to be regression is in turnovers. Uh, they lived off turnovers. They lived off giving Aaron Rodgers in the offense short fields. Uh, that certainly helped them throughout the year. That's just something that you don't expect to continue. I, I do think they'll continue to be opportunist, opportunistic. I don't think there's any question there. But you don't have to look much further than in our own division with the Bears coming into the 2019. That was a team that feasted off turnovers, that absolutely lived off turnovers, probably more so than the Packers did last year. And you saw how that, I won't say crashed, but it really regressed. And I don't think there's any question that the Packers are in for a bit of a regression there. So how does the offense get better when drafting a running back? And I'm sure, again, you've heard this before. We've had a long offseason. Like, <laughs> right. right? So and no through, preseason games, so no one's right. seen these guys. Like, right. Yeah, no so doubt. We've gone through these things over and over. And, you know, I guess on my side and talking about the division and so forth, there's a difference, though, in my mind between saying, you know what, the direction of the Packers in the future is pretty fuzzy when you pick a quarterback in the first round and you decide to go running back instead of receivers for Aaron Rodgers. There's a difference between that and then saying they'll be bad this year or they'll be inept this year. At the same time, I look at the depth chart and I say, boy, that Devontae Adams still good at football, but the rest of the guys, what? Uh, so... I mean, what, what is your, your sense there for the other weapons that, I mean, is there someone that you think will emerge, or do you think it's going to be kind of more of the same? I think it'll be similar. I think there will be, I wouldn't call it an emergence, because I think the emerging happened last year with Alan Lazard. And I know he's been, not dismissed, but he's not considered, I think, uh, to be a legit number two by a lot of outsiders, national media, what have you, um, you know, he certainly came on at the end of last season. He's gotten Aaron's trust, which anybody who's followed the Packers knows is pretty damn important. Uh, but he is a legit number two wide receiver in the NFL. I have zero question about it. And then you look at what we've just witnessed the last kind of two and a half weeks of camp. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has, has put together a string of really good, not just days, but weeks of practice. That is certainly something that you are hopeful continues, but you never really know once things are live and once the games matter. And we've certainly, the NFL is littered with guys who have had good camps and then kind of fallen by the wayside. Uh, but to get to the, the drafting of the running back, you got to remember how the Packers operate. And I think this gets lost a lot because of the need of people who cover the league to create content and to be able to have headlines and talk about these things, etc. They compartmentalize it in a way, well, they haven't helped Aaron or they haven't helped the offense or they're not going to improve. They very much are going to improve because of the development and the continuity on offense. They don't look at most most times. They don't look at the draft as a way to plug holes this season. What they're counting on is continued development, not only from wide receivers already there, but guys that they selected in the draft last year. You don't have to go very far uh, to look at how the Packers view uh, draft picks and how they utilize them as long-term capital. They're not there for a quick fix. You know, 
selecting A.J. Dillon is much more about the fact that Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are both in the last years of their deals and guarding against and giving them leverage when they have to and choose to negotiate with those guys rather than, oh, we need someone we need to plug in right now. And look, he is going to help this team this year. There is zero doubt in my mind. I think the biggest question for him, and that's not unlike most rookie backs, is his ability in pass protection. I think that's the thing that's going to keep him off the field initially. If he can prove himself in that regard, I think he'll only see more touches and more opportunities. But they've got a really good one-two punch in Jones and Williams. There's no need to upend that. Uh, but Dylan will certainly help them. He can catch out of the backfield. We've seen that throughout camp. Uh, it's just a question of can he get the checks, can he get the protections down, and once he does, you'll see him utilized. But to me, I, I understand why the outside noise is always kind of, what are the Packers doing? They didn't help Aaron Rodgers. Well, no, they are by developing guys, and that's what they're all about. Okay, at the same time, Aaron Rodgers said kind of himself they didn't help Aaron Rodgers, right? I mean, when he was talking yeah. about – Scouting Absolutely. wide receivers yeah. in the and draft. He was really hoping they, he saw them jump up in the draft and he thought they were going to go get a wide out. I think a lot of people thought that that's what they were going to do. And look, I don't doubt Aaron's disappointed, but as he himself pointed out was it last summer or two summers ago when there was a lot of noise about him being disappointed with one of their moves, I, I, I'm just the quarterback. They pay me to play quarterback and I, I'm not here to GM the team. I think it was in regard, he was saying that in regards to the Jordy Nelson departure. And I think this offseason is another reminder. You know, Brian Gutekunst is not here. It ain't show friends. It's show business, you know. <laughs> and as as much as people want one last push for Aaron, that's how franchises get in trouble. I mean, what will be fascinating to kind of watch here now is the Saints approach, where they have kicked the can repeatedly. They are going to be in so much cap trouble next year, uh, trying to get Drew Brees one more ring. And the Packers approach, which is definitely long-term, definitely thinking ahead, definitely pay-as-you-go and not getting in trouble salary cap-wise and trying to build something long-term. Look, the Packers catch a lot of heat with Aaron Rodgers only having, quote, one ring. They've wasted Aaron's prime, which is absurd, but you hear that a lot. But the Saints, for some reason, never get that pushback. They never get that, even though they went 7-9 and nine, three years in a row. You know, they've gone through defense coordinators, et cetera, but they never get that blowback. So – like I said, I, I understand the outside perceptions and why the Packers get the heat they do. They just operate a little differently than everybody else. So I don't think you hear that criticism from Minnesota very often. You only have one <laughs> ring with Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, now, oh, true. I, Fair. So I think that I can I can land on still feeling very much like they should have drafted a receiver in a good receiver draft, but also sure, agree, agree with you that if – and we've seen this with the Vikings, where after 2017, every move was got to win now, got to win now, got to win now. And some of those moves worked out okay, but I think some of the other moves put them in a position where they eventually had to move on from people. Or maybe you know, a good example would be drafting Garrett Bradbury, who Kenny Clark, I'm sure, is excited to see this week. Oh, my, um, one of his best friends. I mean, he <laughs> loves playing against him. Three sacks by Kenny Clark last year against Garrett Bradbury, and we'll talk about some of these matchups in a second. But I, I think from a general team-building standpoint, the Vikings drafting Garrett Bradbury in the first round sets the expectation that he'll step in right away and be great, that he's the right. next Travis Frederick or something. And maybe that wasn't the right move to make at that time, but they felt, oh, that's our immediate need at this moment, this season, got to win now. And, oh, I, and I do think that's yeah. how you make some mistakes. I was just going to say, and that's how teams get in trouble. And that's not to say I think they've done actually a pretty damn good job in the draft over you know the length of the time that that crew has been together. I think I think they've done uh, 
a good job when it comes to roster construction. But I agree with you. You know, that first-round pick especially, it's so funny. You talk about, oh, the Packers should have drafted a wide receiver. How would Laquan Treadwell work out? You know, how would Troy Williamson work out? Like, it, it, there, there's a, a vast, you know, wide swath of players you could point to uh, where you're like, wait a second, maybe that's not it. Now, to your point about the depth of wide receiver in this draft that they passed on, now there I think that's a legit kind of eyebrow raise, right, where – they certainly don't have top-flight talent at the position outside of Devontae Adams. You would expect in this wide receiver-rich class they would have made a move there. I think the move up for Jordan Love, kind of, you know, obviously robbing them of a fourth-round pick, the way they were drafting at the bottom end of the round, I mean, I think they were like, what, second or third to last each, each and every round. Just the way the board fell, it just didn't happen. And, I, you know, I can't kill Gutekunst for that, especially now where who knows what's going on next year with the draft and, some college football players will be playing, some won't, but this receiver class is going to be excellent as well. So it's not like there won't be another opportunity to go get wide receiver talent. How exhausted are you of being asked about the Packers wide receivers? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I tell you what, I, I feel pretty confident that I know exactly what I'm talking about because I have, I have sharpened this tool a lot. This so there, there's, there's no doubt that, I, that this is well-covered territory, but I understand why. I, to, I totally get it. Uh, for the Packers, they are always kind of operating – outside the norm, so to speak. And I tried to ask Brian Gutekunst about that yesterday when we talked to him, and he, he didn't really bite. But I, I think it is very clear that comparative to their peers, comparative to other personnel groups, they are a little outside the, the, the group thing around the league. want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. They just launched their official collaboration with Bud Grant. Yes, Bud Grant. You can now get your official Bud Grant shirt and Man Cave art print. If you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out, and we're going to hook you up with free shipping for your order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That is SOTASTIC, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Okay, so now we can talk about an actual game that's coming up on Sunday I between the Vikings and Packers. It. We can get past Insanity. your draft. We can get to it. Uh, I love that the schedule makers put this game first. Thank you very much. It's been so long since there's been any football. <laughs> we really appreciate that. And I also love Aaron Rodgers versus Mike Zimmer matchups. I think oh, they're, they're great. Yeah. I, I think that Always if you're happen. putting something on the marquee, that's what you put. You don't put Rodgers cousins. You put Rodgers versus Zimmer because they've yep. gone against each other so many times. And a lot of times at U.S. Bank Stadium, Rodgers has not had his best games. At Lambeau, he's played better against the Vikings defense. But to have – his talent versus the Zimmer defense. But now the Zimmer defense has changed a little bit. A lot of new faces from previous years. So there isn't the Everson Griffin, the Linval Joseph, and so forth. And it also is a different feeling in terms of the offense that the Packers are running because it's kind of similar to what the Vikings run under Gary Kubiak. Um, so I, I guess, is it any longer Aaron Rodgers, Zimmer? Is it still all about Rodgers on that offense or – should we expect it to be more of a run-first offense this year? Yeah, I think they'll le they'll continue to lean into the running game as much as they can. There's no doubt that, like you said, they have a long history against each other. Aaron, any opportunity he gets, he talks about how much he respects Mike Zimmer, about what a good coach he is, uh, how tough it is to go against his defenses. And look, I don't doubt there are a lot of new faces in Minnesota. There's no doubt about it. Uh, if there's a side of the ball where continuity can – you can probably get away with a lack of continuity, it's on defense. And I think Zimmer will absolutely have them coached up. It won't matter who's out there really. 
it's about Mike and his scheme and how he goes about trying to counter what Aaron does at the line of scrimmage. I think the interesting part is the fact that, yeah, you're in year two of LaFleur. It's going to be a bit different than what Aaron has done in the past as far as spreading it out, trying to get his matchups that he likes. Um, that's been taken away from him a little bit. And coming out of this camp, I got to tell you, we saw precious little of that kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. last summer, there was a lot of talk about doing what Aaron felt comfortable with holding over from McCarthy's mm-hmm. offense and then kind of melding that with what LaFleur does. There was a lot less of that this summer. Last summer, we saw a lot of Aaron in the spread, picking it apart, blah, blah, blah. There was, I can't even remember one day where we saw any of it. Now, they could have been working on it inside, who knows, but this is very much, I think, a continuing, a developing offense as far as trying to get to a lot more of not just what Matt wants to do because there are other people in the room, but trying to lean into that style of offense where you're going to have a lot more condensed formations, a lot of jet motion, orbit motion, trying to get those, you know, those linebackers to take false steps, trying to set things up for later. Um, but ultimately the chess match, like you talk about, is about what Zimmer presents and how Aaron counters at the line of scrimmage because Aaron still has a lot of leeway when he gets to the line. So to me, yeah, I'm with you. That is that is what I'm most excited to watch. No question. And I wonder about, because one thing that works for Gary Kubiak with Kirk Cousins is that no matter how much the other team disguises defenses and coverages, that he has a lot of things that work no matter what. I wrote about, No matter what, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote about deep yeah. crossing routes and how they work against man coverage. They work against zone coverage. It doesn't really matter. And bootlegs, they give the quarterback a lot more time to throw. These are two Kubiak guys. Kubiak loves with, his bootlegs, no doubt about it. Right, right. And, and so I, I wonder if this is actually a better fit to go against the Vikings defense because that was the thing that when you go back and watch on tape the games where Rodgers didn't play well against Zimmer's defense it was where's Harrison Smith going to be where's this pressure coming from how is this look going to actually work and I think that what the Kubiak style Shanahan style offense does is it sort of counteracts some of that. Well, it gives you delineated reads is what I always talk about. This idea of there's a high, there's a low, there's an outlet, and you get the ball out of your hand, right? And I think Aaron, it sounds weird to say, but I think Aaron kind of struggled with that last year where he didn't play in rhythm a lot, and it's not something he's done a lot over the last kind of five, six years. It's very much been the Aaron Rodgers show, get outside the pocket, make something happen. And, you know, it's just not built for that. And this summer, now, it's not live. Who knows what happens when things actually kind of turn on, so to speak. But this summer, I saw a quarterback who was a lot more comfortable playing in rhythm. And I think, to your point, that the offense helps in that regard. And Matt has talked about it a lot. And uh, I think if they can get in rhythm, if they can get some, especially on the play-action game, then Aaron should be a little bit more comfortable. But, look, I mean, it's not like Mike Zimmer doesn't know how to counter whatever offense is going to be thrown at him. Uh, I do think it will come down a lot to that chess match at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see the lack of crowd noise. You know, Aaron will be actually be able to operate in U.S. Bank Stadium probably for the first time since they open. And having been in U.S. Bank Stadium for the fake crowd noise during the Vikings <laughs> squad scrimmage, uh, let me just tell you, a lot different than playing oh, against the Green no Bay doubt. Packers. Very, very t- different. I tell you what, that first night when they opened – I was there for the Packers-Vikings game. I've never had noise hurt my – like hurt – like physically hurt me the way that night did. I mean, on third downs, it 
literally hurt my ears. So yeah, that's to have that loudest, taken yeah. away is is uh, you, you can't shake it any other way than that's an advantage for the Packers. No oh, doubt. It, about absolutely, it. it absolutely is. And that was um, that night was one of the loudest I've ever. It was any that was stadium. insane. That was insane. It was so loud that my buddy Alex Boone, after the games, told fans they need to shut the bleep up when the. <laughs> So that that was oh, yeah. quite the first impression for Boone uh, for Vikings. Oh no! But uh, <laughs> so so here's here's what I was thinking about the other day is um, that we're always talking in terms of data analytics and those sort of things about hey running isn't the way to go and and, and so forth. <laughs> but I was thinking about this game specifically and how much running might just define this game. Because the Vikings' interior of their defensive line does not have Limbaugh Joseph, and Michael Pierce opted out. So now you're talking about Shamar Stefan, and, and Jaleel Johnson is going to be the other guy in run situations. My guess is Afadi Adenabo slash Armand Watts are used in passing situations, but that's a lot less confidence in shutting down the run, which the Vikings generally have done super, super well, and that's been a main part of – Mike Zimmer's success is if you can stop teams running on first down, get them to second down and long, third down and long. Uh, th- you could do that. Then, with he that then he mugs that a gap and goes to town. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But if Shamar Stefan and Jaleel Johnson are just not Michael Pierce uh, or not Linval Joseph and Tom Johnson or whatever combination they've had in the past, Sheldon Richardson uh, was very, very good against the Packers as well. Oh, he, he played as oh, – I mean, he whooped the Packers up front year after <laughs> year, did. no doubt about it. Yeah, he did. And, and that, so it's a, it's a big, big difference between having those guys and trying to run against them. You might have a lot more success. But on the Vikings side, in the first game in week two last year, Delvin Cook was the game breaker and nearly won the game by himself at the end before Kirk Cousins threw the interception. I think this could have a, a similar vibe where the team that actually runs better wins, which is a silly sounding thing to say in 2020. No, I, I mean, but I think it makes sense. And look, the Dalvin Cook thing, there's, there's no zero question they missed him in that second matchup. I mean, we, we could see that. There's no doubt about it. The funny thing about Cook in that first game is he certainly he was running at a good clip, but the big play, the touchdown, was literally the one play they ran at you know, the A gap without, and Kenny Clark was off the field. So A, there was Kenny Clark being gone for the one play. (laughs) And then uh, Darnell Savage, the rookie safety took a horrible angle on that, on that play. And and you look at the rest of it. He certainly was productive. There's no doubt he's going to get his, but I thought they did an okay job containing him in that game. Now that said, it's a very different environment in Minnesota. He's able to cut a lot faster, I think in on that turf. And I think he's made for it. I think they're going to utilize them. And it's funny because I think so much is made of the Packers' run defense because of the collapse against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. But I think, I suspect they'll utilize Cook in the passing game a little bit more Mm -hmm. to try and kind of test to see what the Packers have as far as, you know, the one spot you can look at at on defense and say, what do they have there? Like, it's pretty thin, is that inside backer. If you're talking about Kirksey over Martinez, I think that's an improvement generally. But we don't, we haven't really seen him as far as any live reps, obviously. And after that, you know, their rookie, Kamal Martin, got hurt. He was having a good camp. He's gone for a while. Oren Burks has looked like Oren Burks, which is pretty pedestrian. So if I'm the Vikings, I'm, that's exactly where I'm attacking, at least at first. And I don't think there's any question that, on the flip side, with the Packers trying to run the football, that's what they're going to want to do. And you're, you're absolutely nailing it as far as I think they'll test the, the kind of the inside, right? Because – as you say, it's very different personnel-wise 
But look, I, I think the Vikings did a really good job, or the, I'm sorry, the Packers did a good job up front last year in that building, at least getting going a little bit. What really kind of obviously ended up killing the Vikings with the injuries at backer, you know, but Aaron Jones breaking off that big touchdown run to seal the win. It's no coincidence that, that happens after their inside out pursuit is decimated by injury. So to me, if, as long as those backers are there, the Vikings have a really good chance of shutting down whatever the Packers want to do on the ground. Now that said, if Lafleur proved anything last year, is that he will stick with it. Uh, he did a really good job last year of, regardless if they're getting two yards per clip or four yards a clip, he's going to keep with the running game. Sometimes to a lot of fans' frustration, but uh, I think it ha- only helps when you have a, a quarterback like Rodgers who is getting up there longer in the tooth. Maybe not be as you know, the escapability is still there, but you don't want to you want to keep him in advantageous situations. And I think the more they run the football, the better off they're going to be in that regard. You do make a great point about the linebackers for the Vikings and just how important they are to the entire. I mean, operation. that's that's been Zimmer's that's been Zimmer's whole thing, right? I mean, like th- those guys along with Harrison, Harrison Smith make that defense. That's why I haven't really bought into this whole. Oh, they've got all these new corners. They got this problem in the interior of the line. It was like, well, that's yeah, I understand that. But man, those those the talented pieces are still there that have been the foundation. So, yeah, I do like I said, I, I think the Packers will definitely try, but I, I don't doubt. Michael have a plan for it. All right. So on my last podcast episode, we talked about the three most uh, important slash interesting Vikings going into week one. Who are your three most interesting slash important to <laughs> winning on the Packers side for this one? And uh, I'll tell you who, who I named. I named uh, Dantzler Gladney, which is one person now, because we're not sure which guy is going to play the most. So that's one guy. <laughs> Garrett Bradbury going up against Kenny Clark. If he's going to show that he's better this year, Bradbury, is your opportunity against the guy that picked you up and threw you uh, up against Kirk Cousins uh, last year. And the other one was Daniil Hunter because we're not really sure of Daniil Hunter's what status. What's going on there, right? Yeah, well, yeah. you're asking – I mean, we, <laughs> we've asked Mike Zimmer every single uh, day pretty much about Hunter's status. So we'll see on Wednesday when the first injury report comes out. But okay. – those are my three on the Vikings side. How about on the Packers side? Well, I'll start with uh, whoever they're going to ask to block Daniel Hunter if Daniel Hunter is a go, because it's got to be mystery man at right tackle for me at number one. Because look, the the start of camp it was a quote unquote battle between Billy Turner and Rick Wagner at right tackle. Uh, then Wagner missed a ton of time with a left arm injury, uh, and just as he came back, Billy Turner dropped out of a practice and now has been missing for over a week. And the report from Rob at ESPN was that he will most likely miss this game. Now the Packers obviously haven't confirmed that. They don't need to do anything until Wednesday when the injury report has to be out. But I suspect he won't be available. So then it becomes, well, who are they playing at right tackle? Is it Rick Wagner with a bum arm? Is it, are they going to slide Lane Taylor, the right guard, or Elton Jenkins, the left guard, over to tackle, which is something they have talked about doing? Um, what is their plan there? I don't know. And they have done a really good job of making sure we don't know. So (laughs) I'm sure they have a plan, but whoever that mystery man is, is going to have to block Daniil Hunter, is going to have to block Ngakwe, is going to have to, you know, show up in a big way against a really good defensive end. So uh, that to me is number one. Number two is Tyler Irvin, uh, the guy who they got, they plucked off uh, waivers last year from Jacksonville. He basically saved their return game. And I think he'll continue to do that. And they've started utilizing him on offense quite a bit uh, as far as what we've seen this summer. I'm I'm forbid 
from talking about how they've used him, but I do think they <laughs> yeah, will. Right. They, they <laughs> Among will, anything uh, else, are you sure uh, you're allowed to say there the, is a right tackle? There is a right tackle, exactly. <laughs> uh, but the Packers have seem like tried to incorporate him on the offensive side of the ball in some really interesting ways. And I think it's not this thing where he's going to get a ton of volume and a ton of production, but I do think he's going to be a bit of a chess piece for them. And it's, I'm very fascinated to see how they utilize him starting week one. And then number three, this is going to sound weird, but it's Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, is this guy that we have seen for the last week and a half, two weeks, as far as a really sharp, really efficient, something we haven't seen from Aaron Rodgers in, a, I would say, a decade, really. Uh, just so smooth, just playing within the confines of the offense. It's been really weird to watch. And is that somebody just testing it out? Is that somebody who's going to continue that into week one? Are we going to see a complete reversion to, oh, my first guy's covered, or I just don't like it, so I'm going to run around and try to make something happen? Who's going to show up? So it's, I know it sounds like a cop-out, but I am genuinely – intrigued and kind of mystified as to especially now that his heir apparent is on the sideline like who who which Rodgers is going to show up I'm I'm fascinated I can't wait to find out get back to the conversation in just a minute but first you've always counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you and while their dining rooms may be closed they're still open for delivery with DoorDash DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely at your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your local restaurants also are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees for your first order when you download the DoorDash app at the App Store and enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite team and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So uh, I'm sure you're picking the Packers to win this game, but what's your, like, do do some sort of meter. Do some, like, are you, uh, <laughs> I don't know, what confidence percentage quotient or something? Right, right. What's the What's the confidence level? Well, you're right. I am picking the Pack. I've been doing it all week. And to me, it comes down to this. Right. And like and I, I've said several times here, I've said all week on my on my streams, etc. I think Mike Zimmer is a hell of a coach and he's gonna have him ready. I think there's no doubt this is gonna be a close game. But to me, given the nature of of the contest with the lack of a off season really, no off season work on the field, a l- really limited camp, no preseason games, if you put all of that into your decision of who to pick in this game, I got to come down on the side of the the veteran quarterback in Aaron Rodgers, coupled with the squad that is almost identical 
to the one that came in there last year with the crowd, with all the circumstances, with the injuries, and won that game, turning the ball over three times and still getting the W. That team is still together. There have been, like, tweaks here and there, but for the most part, they're bringing in the same squad, whereas with the Vikings, that's a really different squad. And that's not, you know, to say anything. A lot of NFL teams are different this year. There's no doubt about it. But because of that continuity, i got to go with the Packers in this one. You know, I – I appreciate uh, the argument, and I and I buy into it a lot of how much continuity you have and how that's going to affect teams very early in the season. The one thing and that's I th- the thing I probably wouldn't lean into it as much if it wasn't Week One. And hell, it's Week One where crazy stuff happens every year, and you right. got to think this year you'll get even more crazy stuff. So who knows? The Vikings could come out and lay forty on them, and I could just be full of egg. I I lean ever so slightly toward the Packers in this game as well because of the no crowd noise, which I think is a huge deal for Aaron Rodgers. It's it's monster, yeah. But also, there are certain teams that just have the formula. Like, do you have a a, a beastly nose tackle who can just drive the center and guards back into Kirk Cousins? Like, can you – basically, last year, if you picked the schedule based on which teams could create interior pressure, you would have gotten it almost entirely right. Like, they lost to every team they could. They beat every team they couldn't. They lost to Matt Moore because Chris Jones took over. Well, Chris Jones is otherworldly. but yeah. And we haven't even mentioned Zedarius yet. I mean, right, Zedarius right, right. He was unblockable in that game. And, mm-hmm. I, again, I don't doubt they'll have a plan for it, but at some point it's going to be third and long. You know what right. I mean? Yep. So it, it, it's just, yeah, that's to me, I don't see where much has changed. You know? I, yeah. No, I, <laughs> and the interior of the offensive line might actually be worse. Now, Josh Klein's not there, and it's Dakota right. Dozier who's barely played. So – uh, Aaron Nagler, one of my favorite follows on Twitter, um, especially, I mean, just, I, I love the following sort of the fans and the people who go after you for Minnesota and things like that. <laughs> it's always great when you've got, when you've got something great involving the Vikings. I enjoy, I think that this, the Vikings fans versus Packers fans is one of the most entertaining sort of back and forth. <laughs> it's not, it's not like Eagles fans oh. when they got involved, it was scary and dangerous. Oh yeah. Well, the Eagles fans are a, are a special breed. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. And look, I, I go after Vikings fans. Vikings are my least favorite franchise in the entire NFL <laughs> for a lot of reasons. I was born and bred into that hatred. I can't help it. I will say this though. Um, ultimately, like when you dig way deep down, I, I'm my my tongue is firmly planted in my cheek. Like you look around the world today, the fact a that we're having an NFL season at all is a miracle. Right. But b yeah. with everything going on with with this, a pandemic, uh, we're so divided. We've had uh, all this stuff going on as far as racial injustice and protests in the streets, etc. I mean, the NFL is a welcome oasis in the middle of all that. And uh, look, we all love football. I, I love NFL football. I, I've been watching it since I was three years old, and Look, I love teasing Vikings fans. I love going after Vikings fans. But ultimately, we're all in this kind of fraternity, this brotherhood, whatever you want to call it, together in the sense of this is our escape, and I want to keep it that way. And I I, I love the back and forth. Totally agree. And this summer has probably even changed uh, my perspective. And and you and I are two people building businesses around football. But even to say this is not the most serious thing in the entire world. So if you want to make fun of what Aaron is saying about the Packers winning, follow (laughs) Cheesehead TV. Do it, people. I really do. I really do take away a lot um, from what's going on with the Packers from following you. So uh, I appreciate your work and have a great deal of respect for somebody who's trailblazed in the same sort of uh, 
realm as I'm trying to be in here. So I, I appreciate you very much, and thanks for the time, man. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the kind words, and thanks so much for having me on. Hi, my name is Bobby Peters, and I've recently written a book titled The 2017 New England Patriots Pass Game Manual. If you've ever wondered what makes the New England Patriots offense, specifically their pass game, so successful over the years, this book is for you. The book breaks down in detail the schemes the Patriots use by concept. Each concept is broken down into its different variations, its statistical usage based on down and distance, and the important coaching points for how each route is run and how the quarterback reads the play. The book is available now on Amazon. Get your copy today. Did somebody say playoffs, NBA, and NHL are playing for the gold and our partners at Bet Online have you covered? Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into the fall. There's no shortage of ways to bet on hundreds of odds, futures, and props there. So take advantage of the return to sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.